Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. church this morning. We're so excited that you're here. My name is Megan. My husband, Carrie, and I are some of the pastors here at the Movement Church. And listen, we're just excited that you're here today. This is week two of our series, No Other Name. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited to be in the middle of this series. And I'm excited and preparing and planning for Easter. And I want to invite you at the Movement Church to be a part of this Easter service with us. Can I ask you to do us a huge favor? As we're preparing for Easter, would you be willing... As you walk out the doors today, you're going to be given an invite card or several of them. And you're going to be given a bracelet that you can put on or maybe you can turn it into a necklace. I've seen some people do that and it's pretty cool. It's manly too. I am telling you, it's going to work for everybody. But this is just to remind us that as we're coming up and we're preparing for this Easter season, that there are so many people who are outside the walls of this church who are not seated here today that may not know the hope that is found in Jesus. And we have a responsibility and an obligation to share the good news with them. And Easter is the prime time for us to invite people to come to church. Did you know that 84% of people, when given a personal invite to come to church on Easter, will say yes? You have friends, you have family members, you have moms and dads at the pickup line at your kid's school. You have baristas at Starbucks that you talk to every single day when you go in for your coffee. There's people in the grocery store who are hurting and who are broken, and they might just need an invitation to say, come and check out something amazing because you're worth it. God has a great plan for your life. And who knows who might fill this room on Easter? Would you be a part of this with us? Would you be a part of inviting your friends and family to join us for Easter? In fact, we've made it really simple for you. I think they can throw a slide up there and it's going to have a number on it that you can text the word Easter. And when you text the word Easter to this number, we'll we'll give you everything you need. We'll give you an invite card you can have on your phone. You can text it to your friend. We'll tell you about how you can be praying and preparing and being a part of the journey with us. But Movement Church, I want to ask you, as part of our family, would you join us on this journey? And let's get excited about what God wants to do for Easter this year. Amen? Amen. Because listen, there is no other name quite like Jesus. There is no other name. And there's so many people that need to know the hope that is found in him. I'm so excited about this series. I hope you'll join us on this journey. And and as we jump in today to the message, I I just want to take a moment and pray. Because during this series, we're talking about four different aspects of Jesus' life. Last week, Pastor Kerry talked about the anonymous season. And it was so, so good. If you were not here, I encourage you to listen to that podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the miraculous That's why I love the words of that song. Mountains bow down when we lift him up. Miracles happen when we exalt the name of Jesus. Next week, we're going to talk all about the cross. And on Easter, we're going to talk about the game changer. And I'm excited about what God has in store. Can we pray and get this morning started? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus, I thank you so much for this day.
God, I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for every person who is here today. God, I thank you that your word is true. And God, we can cling to your promises. And so today, God, as we begin to talk about all that you did during your time here on earth, God, I pray that you will charge our faith to believe for all that you still want to do. God, I thank you that you are God of miracles. God, I thank you that we can celebrate and we can stand in faith and pray for and believe for big things in your name because there is no other name like the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, good morning. You guys are the brave few who remembered to set your clocks back for first service. Give yourself a round of applause. You're clapping. Come on. Like... This is a big deal. Some of you got up and got your kids ready at an ungodly hour this morning to be here at church. And I'm so proud of you. It's like a modern day miracle, right? That you made it here on spring forward Sunday. I'm so impressed that you're here for first service and so excited you're here. Hey, you know, Pastor Carrie and I, we've been, we've been married for almost 15 years and During the first years of our marriage, uh, one of the things that I think I must have enjoyed most was the fact that I got to follow him around and pick up after him. Oftentimes, I would come home from work a little bit after he had gotten there, and I would know that he was home. Because when I walked in the door, I would find one article of clothing And then another article of clothing, all leading a trail to where I could find him. (laughs) Wasn't that kind? Was so sweet. And he would let me know what he'd been doing while he was home. In fact, I could usually tell what he had to eat. He just wanted to keep me so informed. He would leave, he would leave all of the things that he'd eaten on the kitchen counter. And so it was awesome. I knew everything that was happening was, it was amazing. I just, I loved following him around and picking up after him. And then one day, about seven years into our marriage, um, I came home and there were no clothes on the ground. And I was like, he's left me. He's gone. And I slowly climbed the stairs, looking around the house. There was no food on the counters. In fact, the counter smelled like granite cleaner. It was amazing. And there was candles that were lit. And I was a little bit nervous because I thought if he has disappeared and left candles burning in this house, the house could have burned down. But as I walked in, I I looked around and the house smelled clean and there was no clothes on the floor and the countertops had been scrubbed to perfection. And I thought, this is a miracle. This is a miracle, a modern day miracle, right? In fact, this morning when I walked into church and I came in right as the countdown was hitting one and Jeremy said, let's stand to our feet and worship. Some of you were here on time when worship started. It was a modern day miracle. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. We are going to talk about miracles today, but let me just jump into what a miracle really is and what it looks like. The definition of a miracle is an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human knowledge or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. Such an effect or an event manifesting or considered as a work of God. A miracle is something that is unexplainable. 
A miracle is something that we cannot prove, that we can't understand how or why. A miracle in its very nature requires faith. And for those of us in the room who may struggle to need answers, and we may need to know why, and we may need to know how, it's going to be really hard to embrace an understanding of miracles because a miracle in its very nature requires faith. Thomas Aquinas said this, to one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. To one who has no faith, no explanation is sufficient. Miracles and faith go hand in hand. Miracles and faith go hand in hand. I want, to, I want you to keep that in mind today as we kind of talk about the miraculous. As we're in the middle of this series, no other name. Today is all about the miraculous. Last week was about the anonymous. And Pastor Kerry talked about the season in Jesus' life from a young boy as he grew into an adult. The anonymous years that we know nothing about. And we talked about how in those years, God was preparing, strengthening, and positioning Jesus. And today I want to talk about the miraculous. You see, from the moment that Jesus walked on the scene, well, not even walked on the scene, was birthed onto the scene. From the moment that Jesus entered the scene, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. Jesus' birth was a supernatural miracle, right? So he entered the earth as a miracle. And then he goes through this stretch and season of anonymous years. And then we see him step onto the scene in his public ministry at the young age of 30. And as he stepped onto the scene in this public ministry at the age of 30, we see him step onto the scene with miracle after miracle after miracle. In fact, Jesus was known for his miracles. From the day that he walked out and he was baptized by John the Baptist, and then he went into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days. From the moment he came out of that, he did his first miracle, turning water into wine at a celebration, a wedding celebration that he was at with his family. And then we hear that he's disrupting the ordinary. He's making people feel really uncomfortable because everywhere he went, Jesus would go into the temples and he would speak with authority and he would cast out demons and he performed miracles and heal the sick. And people didn't know what to do with that. They didn't know what to do with him. It was uncomfortable. It was different. They'd never seen anything like this before. And so everywhere Jesus went, he drew a crowd. Everyone had heard about this man that was coming in to environments and to cities, and he was doing the miraculous. And so crowds would flock to him. The New Testament actually records 37 miracles that Jesus performed. 37 amazing stories of the miracles that Jesus performed while he was here on earth. But that's only 37 recorded stories. There's story after story after story that we don't know any of the details about. In fact, when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as you read the Gospels, it would talk about Jesus entering the cities. And when he would enter the cities, someone would recognize him and they'd go... That's the guy. That's the guy. And then they would go out into the city and they would round up all of those who were sick and all of those who had diseases and they would bring them to Jesus. And in each of the gospels, it says he healed many of them. So we don't even know all the stories, but we have written record of 37 of the stories of Jesus's miracles while he was here on earth. So I have a 37 point message for you today. Get ready to take notes. I'm just teasing. I really don't. 
Nobody panic. There's a second service after you. I got to get you out on time. But there was 37 recorded miracles of Jesus. And today I just want to focus in on three of the different types of miracles that Jesus performed. Three of the different types of, Jesus, of miracles that Jesus performed while he was here on earth. But listen, three of the different types of miracles that Jesus is still performing today. Amen. Hey, listen, I believe in a God who still does miracles and wants to do miracles in our life today. And so that's what I want to talk about. The first one being the miracle of provision, the miracle of provision. If you're taking notes, write that down. You need to know this, the miracle of provision. Hey, listen, the thing about Jesus that I love is Jesus was great in crisis mode. He knew how to handle any and every crisis that came his way. My daughter, Brooklyn, um, she is amazing. She's one of the most responsible, like just incredible 12 year olds you'd ever meet. She really is. Brooklyn has a plan for everything, literally everything. And so everything we're doing, she asks every question that could possibly be asked to make sure that she can wrap her head around the plan so that we can execute it efficiently. And I love this about Brooklyn. It's a gift inside of her. Some of you are like this. You have a plan for everything. But the thing about Brooklyn is when the plan gets disrupted or just when she doesn't know what's going on, she tends to internally panic like, (gasps) and there have been so many times where we've been, uh, maybe just even here at church and we've had to stay a little bit later during the day. And Brooklyn is coming up to pastor Carrie and I going, what are we going to eat for lunch? Like we're not going to feed her. Like there's ever been a meal in her entire life that she has ever missed, but because she doesn't know the plan and because things have been changed, she's a little bit in like (gasps) crisis panic mode. Right. And this happens all the time. And what's funny is that in the Bible, we see this happen with Jesus's disciples in the gospels. Every one of the gospels, there's a story that I love that maybe many of you have heard about. And it's where Jesus feeds the 5,000 and Jesus has, has gone out. He actually went out to try to be alone because he was mourning the death of his cousin and good friend, John the Baptist. But as he went out to try to be alone, the crowds followed him because remember the crowds had heard about Jesus. They'd heard about the miraculous. And so everywhere he went, he could not get a moment of privacy, but it says that Jesus had compassion on the crowds. And so he didn't mind being interrupted. So Jesus goes out on the hill and, and he sits down with all these 5,000 people. And that's just 5,000 men that were counted. That's not counting the women and children. So who knows? There was probably 10,000 of them. And it says that Jesus began to heal the sick that were there. And he began to teach the people that were there. And as he did that, he taught from the morning into the late evening and the disciples began to panic because they didn't have a plan and people were getting a little bit hangry. Some of you get hangry. I've met you on your way out the door. You won't even stop to talk to me because you got to go to lunch. I know. And so the people in the crowd were getting a little bit hangry and the disciples are like, Jesus, we don't have a plan to feed these people. So we need to let them go, send them off now into the city so they can get some food. And Jesus goes, no, you feed them. And they're like, like severe crisis mode. Brooklyn would have been in crisis mode. Like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Right. And the disciples are thinking, 
what in the, how can we feed them? Jesus, we do not have any food. And Jesus just says, will you feed them? So they con this little boy out of his loaves of bread and his fishes. And they say, Jesus, this is all he's got. We've got this from this little boy. It's a couple loaves of bread and some fishes. There's no way this is feeding 10,000 people. And Jesus says, hmm. And he takes it and he prays over it. And then he says, hand it out to the people. And I don't know what that looked like. I don't know if like thousands of baskets of food appeared or if the disciples just took the one basket and the food just never ran out. I don't know what that looked like, but it says that every person that was there ate that day and there was food left over. Jesus was great in crisis mode. And you know what? He was great at provision. He knew that the people needed to eat. They needed to be taken care of. And he made sure that they were taken care of. Our God is a God of provision. And he did miracle after miracle after miracle to show us that. I love in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and 26. This is Jesus talking. And it's a great reminder for us. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? You see, Jesus was reminding the people that were listening to this, but really he was reminding you and me that he will provide for all of our needs. The Old Testament refers to God as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is in the business of providing for our needs, taking care of our basic needs. But Jesus went above and beyond doing the miracles to provide for basic needs. He also did miracles that went above and beyond basic needs into just, wow, desires of the heart. Desires of the heart and fulfillment of of dreams. And that's the thing I love about Jesus is that he's a good father and he loves to give good gifts to his children. You know, just after Jesus was on the mountaintop for 40 days and 40 nights fasting and not eating and Satan came to him to tempt him. And he said, turn the stone into bread so that you can eat because Jesus was obviously hungry. And Jesus said no. And he resisted the devil just after he came down out of the wilderness. He went to this wedding celebration with his family. And while he was there, they ran out of wine. And I'm thinking if they ran out of wine, they probably don't need any more wine, right? But in that day, that was like a huge insult to run out of wine. And so Jesus's mother comes to him and I'm like, this is the first thing you came to him for. It's kind of crazy. There could have been something better. But at the same time, she comes to him. She's like, Jesus, you need to do something about this. And he's like, this is not my time yet. But, but he goes ahead and he does something about this and he turns the water into wine. But what that says to me is that Jesus, when he, when he was up on the mountaintop and he said no to Satan, he resisted the devil. I'm not going to turn the stones into bread. I'm not going to meet my own physical need. Jesus was not about meeting his needs. He was about meeting the needs of the people around him, but above and beyond the needs, he went ahead and did something that wasn't a physical need. They could have done without the wine, but it just was a representation of joy right? Wine was a representation of joy, of celebration in that time. And I love that that was Jesus's first miracle, that, that he was saying, I can go above and beyond all that you would ask or imagine. I want to bless you. He's a good father who wants to give good gifts to his children. In Matthew 7, 7 through 11, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone. 
Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, that's talking to us, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, Jesus loves to bless his kids. He loves to provide. And I don't know about you, but how many times do we hesitate to ask for things because we feel like it's unimportant? Maybe that job promotion that we would love, but we don't really need. And so we hesitate to pray, maybe because we don't want to be disappointed. Maybe that, that you want to hear a really funny story? When I, I like to shop, okay? I'm going to get totally not spiritual here on you for a moment. I like to shop, and I like cute outfits. And when I lived in Arizona, I was walking through Nordstrom, and I saw this gorgeous outfit on a mannequin. I mean, black jacket... <laughs> Actually, this is kind of funny. Black jacket and this like shimmery striped shirt and these really cool jeans. And I thought, I love that outfit. That is amazing. But I'm not going to drop a pretty penny on that outfit. And so then I thought about it. And I was like, would it be wrong for me to pray about this? No, because Proverbs 27 says that God provides for the maintenance of his girls. Look it up. It's there. And, And so I'm like, okay. And so I begin to pray. Because in Arizona, there's this store. It's called Nordstrom Last Chance. And it's where everything gets discarded from Nordstrom. And so you could go and you could get deals for cheap. So I went to Nordstrom Last Chance. And as I walked in the door, I just prayed, God, could you help me find that outfit? I know it's here. It's got to be here. That top, those pants, that jacket. God, I'd really love to wear that to our next conference. And then I'm feeling really shallow here. That this is what I'm praying for. I'm praying for an outfit. I mean, there's people who need meals to eat. But I prayed for the outfit, okay? I did. And so I'm walking through Nordstrom. I see this lady walking around holding the shirt. The exact same shirt. And I followed her around the store. And then I finally tapped on her shoulder. And I said, excuse me, if you decide not to get that shirt, you know, could you hand it to me and not put it back on the rack? And she was like, she thought I was strange. And she kind of looked at me funny. And then she's like, here, you can have it. Seven dollars. Seven dollars. And then I found a black jacket and then I found the cute skinny black pants and I left Nordstrom last chance that day. And I was like, Jesus, you love me. (laughs) And that sounds so shallow, right? But this is the thing. I believe that God's a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. And even though that was so unimportant, it was just like this little kiss from heaven and a blessing for me. And sometimes I think we just don't pray for things like that. But Jesus loves to provide. He loves to provide for our needs. You know, many of you have heard the story of our car that was given to us in November, like out of the blue. I'm not even going to go into the details right now, but just this incredible blessing. But Avery had been praying for a car with a third row. I didn't need a car with a third row. And I was like, why do you want a car with a third row? That's going to be incredible gas mileage. But, but she was praying for a car with a third row. Well, you know what? God heard that little child's prayers and we were given a car with a third row. I'm just saying that God does care about the desires of our heart. He really does. He is a God who provides and he loves to provide and give good gifts to his children. He loves to. One of the young ladies in our church was praying and believing to be able to move closer to the church because she was living out in Lake Elsinore. I see her here today and she's living out there and praying and believing. And like, I have got to get closer to the church because this is where my community is. And so she put in an application for an apartment. They told her there was nothing available. It was probably going to be three years. She came to church that week, prayed with Brianna and said, I just want to believe that something's going to open up. And that next week she got a phone call that she'd been accepted 
did and that she was going to be able to move in this month. In fact, she moved in last Sunday. God is a God who loves to provide. Jesus still does miracles today. And I love that. Maybe some of you are in here and you're thinking, well, I don't necessarily need a miracle when it comes to um, physical things, but, but I'm, I'm dealing with so much anxiety and fear and depression, and, and I, need, I need a miracle there. Well, listen, Jesus does miracles there too. There's so many instances where Jesus sent his disciples out on a boat, and the storms arose, and the boat was being shaken, and the disciples thought they were going to die. They were filled with anxiety. They were filled with fear. And we see that Jesus comes walking out on the water and he gets on the boat and the storm stops and the disciples are filled with peace, right? Jesus wants to bring peace to your life. He wants to calm the anxieties and calm the fears. He is a God that still does miracles today. And I love this about him, a God of provision, a God of provision. You know, the thing to remember in all of this is that miracles have everything to do with faith. But listen carefully to me for just a minute. Not just faith in believing for what you want to see. Okay? God is not like a genie in a lamp where we rub the genie in the lamp and we pray a prayer and we get our three wishes. Now, God's not just about what we need. He's about what he's doing in our heart, what he's doing in our life. And faith is not just about believing for a specific thing. Faith is about believing in a specific God, a God who does miracles, a God who provides for all of our needs. And believing in God means I'm going to choose to trust God. And I'm going to choose to trust, listen, careful, his plans for me. I'm going to choose to trust his word. I'm going to choose to trust the promises of his word. And listen, not just the promises of his word. Faith is choosing to trust in the direction that is given in his word. Even when I don't understand it. Even when it tells me to do things that I don't want to do. Because listen, faith in God says, God, I surrender my will to your will. I'm choosing to believe that you've got a better plan. So when the Bible talks to us about things like God providing us with the ability to make wealth, and he says, here is this ability to make wealth, and I'm giving you 100%, but listen, 10% of it is mine. The Bible says, return the tithe to the storehouse, to the church. God's just saying, hey, 90% of that is yours, but 10% of it is mine. And it's a direction that he gives us in his word. And if we have faith, then we choose to believe that his word is true. And that we, that God can do more with our 90% than we can do with our 100. And we're faithful to return the tithe. Listen, faith without works is dead. And if miracles require faith, it's not just the faith to believe for what I want. It's the faith to believe in the God who I serve. The faith to know that, God, I'm going to be obedient to your word. And as I'm obedient to your word, I'm going to trust that you will provide. That is the kind of faith we're talking about. One of the other miracles that Jesus was known for was miracles of freedom. Miracles of freedom. Hey, listen. Story after story in the Bible tells us that all of these demon-possessed men and women and children would come to Jesus or be brought to Jesus. And, and they would like manifest right there in front of him. And Jesus would speak to the demons and they'd have to flee. There's story after story after story of this. And one of the stories that I love is found in Mark chapter 9, verse 17 through 29. And it says this. And someone from the crowd answered him. 
Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able to. And he answered them, and I love this part because we get to see the emotion of Jesus just a little bit. Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? I see Jesus is just a little frustrated here, right? I feel like he's a little frustrated at the lack of faith. And he says, bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell to the ground and he rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, hey, how long has this been happening to him? And he said from childhood, and it often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And again, we see Jesus's frustration. If I can, if you can, I feel like Jesus might've even repeated himself there. If you can, like, do you not, have you not been paying attention? And he says, if you can listen, all things are possible for him who believes. All things are possible for him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, and I so relate to this. I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit. I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately. And I'm sure they were just kind of like really concerned. They said, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And I just love this story because I don't think that many of you walked in the room this morning, um, demon possessed, at least I hope not. I mean, if so, we can handle that. But I mean, I don't think you did, right? None of you are foaming at the mouth. I'm, not, I'm, I'm serious. But I do know, I do know that just as much as there's a real God, there's a real enemy. And he wants to do everything he can to keep you from accomplishing the purpose that God has for your life. And I do know that many of you may have walked in the room, maybe not possessed by demons, but by feeling oppression, maybe battling and struggling with an addiction that you just can't seem to get over. Maybe the temptation is just too great. And time after time, you've tried to stop, but you just can't do it. And you're carrying the weight of that, the shame of that, the guilt of that, not knowing what to do. God is a God of freedom. Some of you may have walked in the room carrying the heavy weight and burden of your past. Things that happened to you that were not fair that you just can't erase from your memory. You just can't be free of it. It's constantly plaguing your mind and your emotions. God is a God of freedom. Some of you may be carrying a heavy weight of offense or bitterness or pain. God wants you to be free so that you can live freely, so that you can help other people find freedom. And the thing I see over and over again in Jesus's life is that he brings freedom. Sometimes that freedom is immediate. And sometimes that freedom has to be fought for. 
a good friend of ours who served on a volunteer team in, in Dallas when we were at church there, he, he had uh, been addicted to Coke before he was a Christ follower. And, and he was strung out high on Coke one day and walked into the doors of a church. And he walked into the doors of this church and entered this atmosphere of praise and worship and the word being taught. And immediately he sobered up. He walked in high and immediately he sobered up. An immediate miracle, immediate freedom. And he never went back. He gave his life to Jesus that day and he never went back to the old ways of life. Sometimes freedom is immediate. And sometimes freedom is something you have to fight for. Sometimes freedom is something you have to open up and share that dirty laundry with so that someone else can pray and fight with you. Sometimes you got to fight for freedom. But listen, John tells us that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Jesus already paid the price for you on the cross of Calvary so that you can experience freedom. You don't have to carry the same burden of guilt and shame and fear and bitterness and offense. Jesus paid the price so that you can be free. And even though you may struggle with believing that it's possible, I love how this father said, I believe, but help my unbelief, right? He desperately cried out. I need help in this. Don't be afraid to be real with Jesus. Don't be afraid to say, God, I believe, but I need help with my unbelief. And it doesn't matter how long you've been struggling. It doesn't matter how long you've been carrying that burden. Why that father said this little boy had been, he'd been possessed since childhood. It doesn't matter how long it is. In a moment, Jesus can bring freedom to your life. If you'll open up your heart to him. Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus wants to provide freedom for you and for me today. And one of the final miracles that we see Jesus doing over and over again is a miracle of healing. And I love this. Everywhere Jesus went, people recognized him and they brought their sick. They brought people who were dealing with infirmities. And it says that Jesus healed many of them. It doesn't say he healed all of them. And I don't think I'll have the answers until the other side of eternity for that. But Jesus healed many of them. Everywhere he went, Jesus was doing miracles. Lepers were healed. A centurion came to him and said, my servant is sick and, de- and almost dying. And I know that if you just say the word, he'll be healed. And that was counted to him as great faith. And that servant was healed. He healed the blind. He healed the deaf. He healed the mute. He went to Peter's house and wanted Peter's mother-in-law to fix him dinner. But she was in bed with a fever. And he prayed for her and she was healed. Jesus was doing miracles everywhere he went. Miracles of healing. And this was honestly to fulfill what the prophets had said. The prophet Isaiah had said about the coming Messiah. He said he took his illnesses and bore our diseases. Listen, the the prophet Isaiah prophesied that when the Messiah came, he would take our illnesses and bear our diseases. So Jesus came and he began to do miracles of healing. One miracle after another miracle. So many people being set free. So many people being healed. And this was to fulfill what the prophets had said about the Messiah. But listen, it didn't stop there. When Jesus went to the cross for you and for me to bear the punishment for our sin, Before he went to the cross, he took stripes on his back. And the word says, so that we can be healed. There's healing available for you and me today. I love that the two blind men that we see in the Bible, that when they cried out to Jesus, Jesus, will you, will you give us our sight? And he said in Matthew 9, 28, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes 
and said, according to your faith, may it be done for you. And they could see. Miracles have everything to do with faith, but not just faith in the results, faith in the God who has good plans for us, who wants to do good things for his children, who has plans for us to be well and at perfect health. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, and I'm not going to go into detail because I'm running out of time, is found in Mark chapter 5. And I've shared it with you so many times, the story of Jairus when his little girl is at home and she's dying and he goes to find Jesus. Why? Because his first response was to go to Jesus. And that should be our first response too. But he went to Jesus and he says, can you please come? And Jesus said, yes, because he cared. He had compassion. And so Jesus began to go with Jairus to go and to heal his daughter. But in the middle of it, he stopped. And why did he stop? Because a woman with an issue of blood who'd been dealing with this rare disease for 12 years had decided that she was desperate enough to get to Jesus. And it had to have taken her all the strength that she could muster. And it had to have taken her all of the boldness that she could muster because for her to walk into a city and a crowd of people, she had to holler out unclean, unclean because anywhere she went with the disease she had, people had to clear a path for her because if they touched her, they'd have to go through a ceremonial cleansing process. So this woman had to have such boldness. She had to have such faith. She had to push through with all the strength she could muster to get into that crowd and to get to Jesus. But she touched the edge of his garment and immediately she was healed immediately. And Jairus is watching this. And I imagine he was excited because he saw this miracle. Wow. Jesus can do miracles, but he's thinking, come on, Jesus. What about mine? And then in the process of getting there, his daughter dies and Jesus says, don't fear, only believe. And then they still have to go on the path to get there. And they get to the house and you know the story. He ends up going to the little girl saying, Talitha Kume, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she gets up God's a God of miracles. Some miracles are immediate. Some miracles require a wait. We can't allow doubt and fear to creep in in the middle of the wait. As Jairus stood there and got the news that his daughter had died, what did Jesus say to him? Do not fear, only believe. Listen, if you're in this room and you're believing you for healing in your body, don't so give up believing. Don't give up praying. Don't give up trusting in the God whose plan for you is perfect health in your body. Don't give up. Some miracles are immediate and some require a wait. I love Judy Caldron and Michael Caldron's story. And, and I'm going to kind of try to wrap up with this. But many of you know Michael and Judy, but I don't know if all of you know their story. I asked Judy to sum it up for me, and, and right now, we're going to have a fire? <laughs> I don't know. They're going to check on that, and I'll tell you what to do about that. So they're going to show me a sign in a minute. But in the meantime, listen to the cool miracle that happened. In 2003, Judy was a flight attendant, and she was working and just feeling a little bit off. And, and she's feeling a little bit off, and so she decides to go to the doctor and goes in for a doctor's visit, and they run some tests, and they find out on March 17th of 2003 that she was in stage 3 cancer. The cancer had spread to her lymph nodes, and they told her that without surgery, she only had six months to live. That's sobering. That's an opportunity where fear could really work its way into your heart. But Judy and Michael chose to stand in faith and to pray and believe in a God that they knew had great plans for her life. 
They chose to stand and to pray and to believe in a God who did miracles and is still doing miracles. And as they prayed and believed, Michael fasted food for 42 days, praying for his wife, praying for God to do a miracle in her body. He began praying over her day and night. And let me tell you that without surgery, she was completely healed, completely healed. And this next week will be 13 years of being cancer free. That's where the hand clap. That's worth a hand clap. Man, God is a God who does miracles. And he's got great plans for you and for me. He's a God who longs to provide. A God who loves to bring freedom. A God who desires to heal us of all of our diseases. He is a God who does miracles. But I think sometimes as a church, generally speaking, it's hard for us to pray for miracles. And I don't know why, but I think sometimes we just don't want to be disappointed. And I think sometimes we limit our faith in what God can do because we're afraid that if we're disappointed, we might have to be angry or frustrated with God. But the thing I know about God is that, listen, God can handle your anger. He can handle your disappointment. He can handle it. Martha and Mary and Lazarus, when Lazarus fell sick and they sent for Jesus, Jesus didn't come right away. And Lazarus died and he was buried in the tomb for four days. And when Jesus arrived, Mary and Martha were angry. They were disappointed. They said, Jesus, if you had just been here, this wouldn't have happened. Jesus could handle their anger and their disappointment. What makes him frustrated is our lack of faith. Could we just begin to pray bold prayers, believing for big things? James 1, 5, 8 says, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know how to handle the situation you're in, pray to the father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and you won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Nothing's too small for God. Ask boldly, believing without a second thought. People who worry their prayers are like wind whipped waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. A drifted sea, keeping all your options open. Hey, listen, God's looking for us to pray bold, faith-filled prayers. He's a God who was a miracle, who did miracles, and who is still doing miracles today. What are you believing God for? Maybe it's an area of provision. Maybe it's an area of freedom. Maybe it's an area of healing, but could we just be bold enough to believe that God could do a miracle in your life just as he's done in many lives all around us? Because guess what? I think that if the church could get bold with our prayers, I think that if we as the church could begin to believe that today and this day that we live in here in this church, the movement church here in Orange County, if we could begin to believe today that God still does miracles, if we could begin to believe for the provision, if we could begin to believe for freedom and see freedom in our lives, if we could believe for healing and see the sick recover. I believe if we could do this, just like in Jesus' day, it would draw a crowd. Why? Because people want to know what's going on. How many people know what Jesus has done in your life? How many people know the times that he's provided when you've been in desperate need? How many people know the things that he's set you free from? We need to begin to share 
We need to begin to talk about what God has done in our lives. And we need to begin to believe that he's going to do even greater things. Because Jesus has a plan for you. But he has a plan for Orange County. He has a plan for this nation. And he has a plan for this world. And I believe that this is the greatest day in the church's history. That this is the season where God wants his light to shine so bright. And I love that so many times in scripture we see him doing this through the act of miracles. Let's be a church who believes for miracles, that believes that God can do what he says he will do. Let's be a church that believes for it and that tells everyone we know about it. Why? Because I believe that's how we play our part in drawing all people unto him. Hey, listen, if you're here today and something inside of you, you just say, I just, I want to know this God, but I feel so distant from him. Can I just tell you that maybe... Maybe you are a little bit distant. The Bible calls that a sin gap. The Bible says that we've all sinned. And the punishment of sin is death and an eternity in hell. Sounds bleak. But God said, wait a second, I've got a promise. And he sent his son, Jesus, who walked on the earth performing these great miracles. But Jesus was really just after our heart. And he gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins on that cross to pay the price for you and for me so that we didn't have to experience that separation from God, but so that we could know him and have relationship with him so we could understand that his power is available in our lives today. And maybe you're here and you've never made a decision to surrender your life to Christ. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow him. Today's the day. The Bible says he stands at the door and knocks. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He's prepared for you. He welcomes you. And maybe you've just been running far from God. Maybe doubt and unbelief has set in. And today is the day to come back to him. If that's you in the room this morning, I just want to invite you to make a decision today to surrender your life to Christ. And to allow him to take the steering wheel, so to speak. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If that's you, I'd like for you to pray this prayer with me in your own heart, in your own seat. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or to say it out loud. This is between you and God. But if that's you today and you need to surrender your life to Christ, would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, thank you for the price you paid on that cross. Thank you for taking the punishment for my sins. I know that I've messed up. I know that I've wandered far away. But today, I make a decision to come back to you. And everybody in this room, in your own heart, say these words, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.